What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the More Beer Podcast. On this episode, we've got part two of Vito's conversation with Beer Bottle Brewing in San Francisco. If you missed part one, you can find it on our feed. We definitely recommend giving that a listen before finishing up the conversation here to learn all about Beer Bottle Brewing. Part two features some rapid fire questions, including asking Beer Bottle about what they think the next big style in the beer industry might be, one tip for new homebrewers just starting out, and much more. You can check out the full video conversation and see behind the scenes footage at the brewery and learn about Bear Bottle's coffee and natural wine programs too. Check it all out on our YouTube channel or by following the link in this episode's description. Make sure to subscribe to the More Beer podcast here and stay up to date with what's brewing at More Beer. Here's Vito and Bear Bottle. Enjoy. Cheers. Now we're going to get into what I like to call the quick fire questions. So these are just, oh, and I like for both of you guys to answer them. Um, just random questions and they meant to be off the top of your head. What tip do you guys have for new, new brewers, home brewers just starting out? Um, what is the, the best thing? We, you know, fermentation temperature obviously is a good one, but what, what's a new t- uh, or a tip you give to new home brewers starting out just to make the best beer possible? Keep it clean. Okay. Um, you know, like, Sanitation. That's, that's, that's the yeah. big thing, right? Is like we don't, you know, we don't realize how clean things need to be, you know, until you start, you know, you're in the beer world and then you're like, oh, like, just because a hose, like, looks kind of clear. Yeah, visually clean. clean doesn't yeah. mean that it's clean. So, like, you know, when, you know, you read a, a homebrew book and it says, hey, use, whether it's PBW caustic or use some sort of caustic followed by a sanitizer, like a star sand, you know, sanitizer, you know, don't skip those steps. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> yeah. there for a reason. Um, like you may, when you buy new hoses and gaskets or whatever, like that first batch may be good, uh, but batch two is just like a train wreck, and I mean that's definitely happened to me as well. And at that point, it's better to either just like buy new hoses and then just say like, okay, like that's the penalty for not, you know, not following your kind of cleaning procedures like to a T, because that's going to make the difference between. You know, three weeks of waiting and your beer's good, or three weeks of waiting and your yeah. beer tastes like band-aids. Yep. Same Any uh, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, <clears throat> I would say if I were to like the thing I feel like you taste in homebrew a lot is under attenuation, mm-hmm. and what that stems from is could be a thousand things, but a very easy fix or you know not a band-aid and maybe more would be make sure you overpitch your yeast if you're. If you're starting out and you go buy a homebrew kit and it comes with one packet of dry yeast, just buy another one. Yeah. Um, they're not that expensive. and Or learn how to do a starter. Or starters, learn yeah. how to do a starter. But yeah. if you're not even there yet, don't expect one vial to ferment. Get two vials. Get two pouches. Get two dry packets. Just you'll, you'll be surprised how much better your beer will be because you're throwing in the proper amount of yeast. Uh, this next one, this is, a, this is a question I always love to ask people. What's your desert island beer? And what that means is, if you could only have one beer style for the rest of your life, what would that be? Which style, style or beer? Or beer? Um, <laughs> uh, let, let's go style, but then let's follow it up with beer too. So, like, what is your favorite example of that style? So, you know, uh, for me, I love pale ale. So, you know, Sierra Nevada pale ale. You know, I think I would have two different answers for those. Okay, let's hear. Them. I think uh, Negra Modelo would be my desert island beer. Okay. Mm. Um, it's just awesome and refreshing, and then. You lighten it up with some lime, it's like changes the beer, it's awesome. Um, but I think super dry San Diego West Coast IPAs would be the style. Just you get so much from those beers and and there's so many to like that style is kinda what brought me in a beer and it's I love hops. We get all we feel like 
with hazy IPAs, we're going so over the top, and these beers are so good, but sometimes it's fun to go drink a super dry West Coast and remind yourself, like, oh, this is, we started here. This is where it all came from. Um, it's really cool. At least where it came from for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, good answers. I'm going to get two answers, too, now, since Magic got two. <laughs> yep. Uh, for style, gosh, just, I think it's just a good, just a good lager, right? It doesn't even matter what country it's from, whether it's, you know, the Czech Republic or Germany uh, or Italy, like, just a good lager as a style. Like, you could just drink those any time of the day, any part of the day, after anything that you're doing. To me, like, lagers, lagers are just, they're just so pretty. And Mm. just, like, I love the the nuance of of so many different lagers. As for, like, one individual beer, I would probably choose Orval. Mm. Um, And Orval, I think, because... One, like, if you ever have Orval in Belgium, yeah, it's like, it doesn't taste like Orval in America, right? Yep. It's like, oh, yeah. this, is, this is a nice, like, pale ale. Yeah. Super, the hops are super crisp. No Brett character No Brett character yeah. whatsoever. So, you know, if I'm stuck on an island, you know, I'll drink Orval fresh when it tastes like a pale ale. <laughs> then over the course of my year, I'm stuck on that island. And then it's going to get nice and bready and funky. I'm going to love that, too. I love when I see Orval at places. I always go to check the date because I'm like, yeah, it changes. Yeah. Give me the old warm one. Give me the old warm one, and the, the Brett character is going to be there. But the fresh one, like you said, when you're in Belgium, it's like, is it a hoppy pale ale? Yeah. yeah it's just, I've never yeah. had it fresh, so. Yeah. Yeah. It almost Someday. feels like it's missing something. You're like, wait, wait where, where's the Brett? Yeah. And uh, you realize uh, the Brett you know, develops after it's on a, a ship for three months. <laughs> and then it's warm on somebody's shelf. I mean, with all the shipping delays, it's probably like six months now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's I'm getting true. year old Orval. It's fresh. West Coast IPA or hazy IPA? And why? <laughs> oh, man. I know you guys both make both of them. Oh, magic. Come on. Some people will. I uh, uh, so I will say, caveat to my answer, I think hazy IPAs are super fun to make. Um, because they're not as easy as people think they are to make. Mm-hmm. And trying to, you know, get them to be super flavorful and differentiate them from other ones and trying to showcase the hops is not as easy as people think it is. However, in terms of drinking, I'll drink a West Coast IPA all day. They're just dry, refreshing. Where Hazy IPAs are just like decadent desserts. A West Coast IPA is something, it's your daily bread. It's, you can actually drink it all the time. They're drier, they're crisper, they're bitter, and especially now, as we've taken techniques from Hazy IPA to West Coast IPA, mm-hmm. the the hop character is over the top now, so West Coast IPA. I'm glad you touched on that, uh, the, that there are, I think the stigma, especially when they first came out with Hazy IPAs, was it's easy to make, oh, it's lazy, um, but that's not the case, you know, it is actually, you know, from water profile, there's a lot of things that, that go into making a good hazy IPA, so I'm glad you, glad you touched on that, but I agree, West Coast IPA is probably my favorite to drink. Lester, same question. Yeah, so I mean, I think my answer is, is similar, but, you know, I think with a little bit of context, the, I think hazy IPAs, at least in California, Northern California, like, really helped kind of pave the way of you know, new developments and new growth in, like, what hops and what IPA can be, right? I think, you know, you brought up Stone earlier, like, you know, Arrogant Bastard and these 100 IBU beers, mm-hmm. like, that turned a lot of people off to, to IPAs for a long time, right? Like, these IBU wars are getting to 100, yeah. and, you know, yeah, that was, you know, a, a big bearded dude's badge of courage, but... 
you know, that turns so many people off to be like, oh, I don't like IPAs, mm-hmm. right? And, like, we're still kind of battling that a little bit, that people have in their heads that, oh, I don't like IPAs because they're so bitter. And I think like, that's the beauty of what hazy IPAs have done, is it began to turn the tide of, one, say, no, IPAs, just because they have a lot of hops, don't have to be bitter, and they can be juicy, but it also, like, shepherd in a whole new, you know, varietal set of hops from around the world that are just much more tropical and fruity and passion fruity than just like piney and so you brought a whole different flavor elements and juicy elements that i think like that's kind of what people needed to then like begin to like turn the tide and like ipas again and like you said like now we can take those techniques from all the hazy ipa making the juiciness that like really beautiful hop character you know, for all these beautiful hops that have come out in the last five years and then move them back into a, you know, more familiar-looking appearance package than before. And I feel like, as a whole, the category is, like, much broader mm-hmm. and and have more depth than ever before. And I think, like, Hazy has kind of helped usher that in. Long story short, though, I would prefer a West Coast IPA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what do you guys think the next big beer style is? Like, cold IPA is a big thing right now. What do you guys see as the next big beer style, if any? You know, is, is there going to be something that, that, that you know, creates its own, own lane and, and, and makes its way into the style guidelines, even? I think lagers are just going to get more and more popular. I love that answer. Uh, Hopefully it's true. I mean, I, I, we've been... You know, we've been talking about it in the industry a lot, like, oh, like, loggers, loggers. But I, I think, like, I think, like, now's the time. Um, just, there's, I mean, as homebrewers, right, there was so much, like, stigma around it's so difficult to make, right? Like, we were all scared to make it. I mean, even when we were, you know, at Bear Bottle in the initial years, like, we still didn't make it because we were all kind of afraid, like, oh, like, it's going to be so hard. And it, and it shows every flaw. And it's just like, yeah, but... If you're a flawed brewer, then you're going to make flawed anything, like not just lagers. But if you're clean and you have good procedures and processes, you're going to make clean anything, including lagers. And it's not that much different. But to me, I mean, I just think the more breweries, you know, can make great lagers. And I mean, no knock on Kolsch. Kolsch is is fine as a style, but I feel like once you... Once you have loggers and people are making good loggers, then you never go back to a Kolsch again, you know? Yeah. Um, unless you're in Cologne, then for some reason they're magically amazing there. Um, but I, I feel like loggers, instead of just being, oh, we only have one logger on, I think we're going to start seeing in tap rooms, you know, everyone's going to have like two or three and really start getting into the nuances of each kind of type of logger that you can have on the board, I think is... I'm glad you uh, you mentioned something about uh, loggers and uh, you know they're harder to make or less to hide behind. Like one of the things I always do when I go to a brewery is if they've got a you know blonde a logger on tap, that's the beer I'm going to try because like you said, there's nothing really to hide behind. You know, like mm-hmm. you, know, you you can do big you know stouts and things like that, even hoppy beers. You know, there's a lot of hops, so it's that's always the the beer I like to try to see their process and and, and, and procedures to make sure they're making clean beer. Yeah. So I love that. Uh, Magic, what do you think? Next big beer style? Or? I think it's, I don't know if it's going to be a style, but the evolution of IPA even more than it already is. Um, as we'll go taste some beers later that use the enzymes that, to help with biotransformation and force the issue versus relying on technique. Um, I think as more hot products come out, these CO2 hop extracts, um, terpenes, um, very specific yeasts that have been engineered to uh, create certain fruit pro- profiles. 
these things are going to completely transform what we think of as a normal beer and change our processes in, the, in brew houses. Maybe we won't need as many hops as we did before. Or we'll get better yields from doing certain thing. I think hops, are, as we know them and the way they taste, are just going to continue to evolve. And like Hazy IPA was a perfect example. that didn't taste like hops did before. It tasted like a new thing. And even if though there's way more hops in those beers than there ever were before, we used them in such a way that created these crazy fruit profiles. That's only going to get... We're just going to take that so much further. And I've, I know Lester and I have talked about this. If we don't keep up with what's going on, we're just going to get left behind as these new things continue to... As IPAs in general continue to evolve. I'm glad you mentioned the genetically modified yeast uh, and the theols and things like that that are producing. Yep. And, and one that I loved, I always loved you know, kettle sours. I think you guys do them too. And they're, they're, they're awesome. But yeah, like the, the yeast that's now been genetically modified to produce lactic acid, it's like, great, I'm not babysitting a kettle for two days now. Yep. Um, and, and what they're doing with the aroma compounds, like you said, with the theols, that's, it's amazing. And that's just going to continue to to get you know, better. Yeah, research has only gotten especially into hop products, uh, or hops, the the, the the thiols, the sulfur compounds, we could always read them, but it never got cheap enough for us to be able to do it in mass. And now that the companies are, it used to just be about oil content and terpenes, and you'd look at two hops, I'm like, they're exactly the same oils, but why do they taste so different? Yeah. Is they're d- diving deep into what actually creates those aromas, and we're learning, learning more and more, we're gonna be able to really cherry pick what we want out of these hops and make black currant beers out of IPAs or berries or you know only passion fruit it's going to be awesome yeah future's bright yeah <laughs> well thanks guys uh, for letting us come in here talking about all this kind of stuff the beer's amazing love the kit uh, thank you guys cheers cheers